remember pretty well the day that Rivkov was brought down. And then afterwards, the protests started, which mainly people were protesting the fact that by the constitution, the Communist Party was still the ruling party. This is Cold War Conversations. If you're new here, you've come to the right place to listen to first-hand Cold War history accounts. Do make sure you follow us in your podcast app or join our emailing list at coldwarconversations.com. What are your dreams at 18 and what happens in the next 20 years? Children of the Silent Revolution is a documentary film following a tight-knit group of classmates from Bulgaria who reveal their stories over a period of 20 years spanning the transition from communism to democracy in their country. It's a powerful memoir and a love letter to the filmmaker's classmates as well as a compelling historical document about Bulgaria's recent history. Now I'm sure you're enjoying your weekly dose of Cold War history and you'd like to continue to do so. So I'm asking if you wouldn't mind supporting us by paying at least three US dollars a month. Higher amounts are welcome too. It's very straightforward and you can stop whenever you want. Plus, monthly supporters get the sought-after Cold War Conversation drinks coaster too. Just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate. You can also help the podcast by leaving written reviews in Apple Podcasts as well as sharing us on social media. So, back to today's episode. We speak with Victoria Eshova, who was born and raised in Kazanlak, Bulgaria, until she went to the United States at the age of 18. Children of the Silent Revolution is her debut feature film. We welcome Victoria Eshova to our Cold War conversation. Um, I was born in Bulgaria in 1976. Were you born in the countryside or, or in the city? Um, I was born in a, like a mid-sized city for Bulgaria. Um, so yes, I definitely grew up in a city, not a huge city. What did your parents do? Uh, my mother is a doctor and my father is an engineer. Where did you live? Did you live in flats or a house? Yes, we. I grew up in an apartment um, close to the center of the city. Like I said, it was a small, smaller town in the middle of Bulgaria. So pretty much you could walk everywhere. But then we also had, you know, theaters and um, restaurants and culture. So and and how would you describe your your childhood? Um, I had a pretty great childhood. Um, growing up, actually, during communism was, in my view, and I think most children, pretty good for children. Um, the society was very kind of egalitarian. So we, yeah, everybody was more or less the same. Um, we were equally poor, of course, um, but there weren't big differences like there are in society today. So I think for a child, it was actually a good time. And of course, they kind of fed us a lot of those idealistic ideas of, you know, brotherhood and equality, uh, which as a child, you basically believed and you took it for its face value without knowing all of the darker things that went on during that time period. Yeah, because, I mean, you'd imagine that with a mother being a doctor and a father being an engineer, those were quite well paid, but it sounds like they weren't. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it was probably better than like a factory worker, for instance, but not like a huge difference. Not nothing like I currently live in the United States. So obviously, you know, doctors and engineers here, um, you know, are at least upper middle class, if not, you know, upper class um, professions. While in Bulgaria, um, back in communism, it was more or less the same. You know, we didn't necessarily have like more than other people did. Were either of your parents party members or not? No, neither of them. My dad actually, um, I believe he had wanted to become a party member, but one of the things that I was aware was that there was some discrimination against him because my grandfather, who was actually Russian, had come um, and he was born in 1888. So he had lived, you know, during the revolution in Russia and he was um, a tsarist. He was from the White Army. He was, um, I believe, an officer in the White Army. And so he basically escaped Russia to come to Bulgaria. But that was on my dad's record um, while, you know, he was um, studying and then as a young professional and throughout his career during that time. So basically he could not become a member of the party and, who, you know, he couldn't advance in his career because of that. That's That's really interesting. Did you have any relatives that lived in the West or not? Yes, we did. Um... I believe one of my dad's cousins um, had kind of escaped or left Bulgaria maybe in the 70s or early 80s. I'm not sure what the time frame is exactly, but I was aware that they were in Sweden. Um, and it was a cousin that he was very close with growing up, so that they were definitely mentioned a lot in the family. And then I also have a first cousin who is um, quite a bit older than me, I would think probably about 10 to 15 years older, who had also um, kind of left still or escaped during communism. And I believe he was um, at first in Italy and then uh, eventually uh, made it to the United States. Um, But curiously enough, he came back to Bulgaria. He went back to Bulgaria (laughs) after some time. And did any of them come to visit or not? Um, so the, the, uh, family from Sweden, um, I believe they had come to visit at some point, um, our, my, my dad's aunt, which was also, I guess that person's aunt as well. Um, but that was like, I was a child, so I really don't have like specific memories of that. Yeah, um, no, no, that, that's understood. I, I realized that I am, uh going back into the depths of your memory (laughs) some of this stuff yes do you remember any gifts they sent you or anything like that Mm, i think they had sent some things to my aunt probably i'm not sure that for me i don't remember anything for me and the 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 schooling that you had i mean did you notice much or can you remember much politics being involved in it um well not Politics the way I know them now, but there was definitely indoctrination from an early age. So, um, you know, even in the third grade, I believe, we we had to become part of like this um, sort of a communist youth organization. It was called uh, Chavdarchata. 
And basically... Was this the popular youth league? So, yes, but it was not the pioneers because the pioneers you became a bit later. Like that was in sixth grade, I believe, fifth or sixth grade. So even before that, when we were, I don't know, perhaps eight years old, seven, eight years old, like you, you were kind of enrolled in this organization and everybody was in it. Um, and I'm not sure, like it was more about activities, but I'm sure there was like some kind of, you know, indoctrination going on at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And what what did you do in your, your spare time? Did you see your friends and mess around and what did you do? Uh, as a child, do you mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, definitely. I mean, you know, hanging out with friends, going out and playing on the streets, which everybody did that at that time, um, going to my grandparents' house, um, and playing with my cousin. Yeah. And then actually my family, we were pretty outdoorsy. So I was, there was a lot of going to the mountains, hiking, um, skiing in the winter and things like that. Right. And did you, did you watch much TV? Mm, yes, but not, I mean, compared to what TV is nowadays, um, very little because, it was not even available that much. I mean, uh, there was TV in the morning and then there was TV in the evening. And during the day, there was actually um, no programming, I think, most of the day. And did, did you have a favorite program? I remember some Russian cartoons that I've seen. Like Nupagadi was about uh, this wolf and, um, and, a, and a bunny that were kind of like Tom and Jerry, but the Russian version of it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that was. There were a couple of a few other Russian cartoons that I remember watching, and then there were actually some Bulgarian kind of like quiz shows that we've seen. Um, there was so I. This might have been later. Like I said, I was twelve in nineteen eighty nine. So some of my memories get overlapped with you know the time later when TV started becoming more like uh, more available and more programs were available um but there was a spanish movie a series i guess um that was blue summer i believe would be the translation and that was kind of a cult <laughs> series among children that that was available and we saw and then there were also some bulgarian series that i remember watching as a child Okay, so so you were twelve when uh, Todor Zvikov uh, resigned, and I've probably pronounced that really poorly. Uh, Zhivkov. Zhivkov. Yes, is that right? Yes, that was okay. Good. When when did you first become aware of things changing? Well, so I remember in the in the late eighties. I remember my family listening to Radio Free Europe, uh, which was forbidden in Bulgaria. So it was kind of a very hush-hush thing to do. And there were certain neighbors that they, I know neighbors in our building that, you know, they discussed some things that, you know, I didn't completely understand what was going on, but I knew it was something that they were supposed to do. And there were only certain people that were trusted with these kinds of information. Um, so, and I know that it was not 
as strict or as scary as it might have been, say, in the 60s. You know, of course, this is information that I learned later on, but knowing how um, my family behaved and some of the adults, you know, behaved around these things, it was still um, very much kind of under, you know, um, how should I say? It was very secretive, but at the same time, it wasn't, completely like scary and you know of something that could get you disappeared or put into the camps or something like that by that point it was a, a lot more relaxed i would say right right because it's i mean you know it's interesting because um I'm going to uh, uh, probably pronounce this is Zhivkov yes. <laughs> resigns and then there's a, a more liberal communist who comes on board Petam Mladenov but he sort of well events overtook him so he's almost like the Egon Krentz of Bulgaria by the sound of it and he had to announce that the party was giving up his its right to rule. But I think the most surprising th- thing with Bulgaria is in the first election after the end of communism, the reconstituted Communist Party, which was then the Bulgarian Socialist Party, won the largest number of votes in what was then the first free election since 1931. Yes, yes. So they did... They did win the first election, and there was there was talk that you know the election was rigged, that it wasn't true. But at the same time, there were still a lot of people who believed in the communist ideal, and some people refused to you know believe all the horrible things that had happened and the repression and persecution that was going on under the communist party. Um, so. Yeah, but how much of it was fairer and free elections? I think it's still debatable. And the whole, you know, the whole transition in Bulgaria and how it all happened with the fall of Zhivkov, uh, it was very much um, staged. And it was not something that happened organically. Right. So that that election was a flawed election in at the time you know people there were protests about it eventually i think because nobody wanted to have violence um so it was you know hi this is Rhonda in virginia and i support cold war conversations because i think the work that ian is doing is critically important i think it's vital to record the firsthand accounts of people who lived and experienced the cold war Uh, because it illustrates history in a way that a book never can. So thank you so much for the podcast. It's my favorite podcast, and I look forward to it every week. To be like Rhonda and help to preserve these incredible stories of the Cold War, as a monthly or annual supporter, you'll be able to listen ad-free, you'll become one of our community, get the sought-after Cold War Conversations drinks coaster as a thank you, and you'll bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate to find out more. Agreed, or perhaps behind the scenes somehow like an agreement was reached where uh, 
the Democratic Party um, basically agreed to the results of the or accepted the results of the election. Right. Yeah, I guess because of what they'd seen in Romania, they didn't want anything like that. Yeah. Okay. And did your parents talk to you about what was going on at this point? No, I don't remember having any the kind of explanatory conversations or anything like that. But at that point, you know, I was already, you know, 13. So I had a, I had an understanding of what was happening. And I remember pretty well the day that, you know, Zhivkov was brought down. And then afterwards, the protest started, which mainly people were protesting the fact that uh, by the constitution, the Communist Party was still the ruling party. And that was changed, I believe, in January of 1990 or January, February. There was like a big roundtable um, with the opposition. Um, so, but the, then the whole time, you know, between November to the first elections, which were, I believe, in June uh, of 1990 or the beginning of the summer, some sometime in the 1990, um, there were a lot of protests, demonstrations, and uh, kind of unrest. So um, I was going to um, some of those, and I already had my own opinions. So, and I knew that my parents definitely supported, you know, the democratic, um, the coalition, democratic coalition. Um, so, yeah, I actually re- remember asking. Uh, not sure if it was in the first election because there were so many elections that happened in the first like five years. But um, I was very much a supporter of like the um, environmental party, which, like the Green Party. Yeah, which was actually one of the first, the first real protest before the fall of communism was organized by by that movement. Um, so I remember having kind of a strong preference for that. And I had asked one of my, I can't remember if it was my mom or my dad, but I had said like, please vote for, you know, for the Green Party. Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't vote at that time. And what was the the impact on the fall of communism on your family? Um, well, I think it was a lot of uncertainty, like with everybody else. And the economic crisis definitely... Um, was very hard on us as well. So, I mean, my parents were still working, but there was, you know, enormous inflation um, that happened. And I believe they probably, like, if they had any savings, they had probably lost everything. Um, So, but then, you know, my dad... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Was was this because inflation had gone through the roof and... yeah. And there, there were several, there were at least two time periods, like in the early 90s and then in the mid 90s when this happened. And uh, yeah, it was extremely difficult for everybody, I believe, unless you were part of, you know, um, the, <laughs> the party, which basically transferred all the economic resources to the people that they chose. Um, and then there was a lot of crime that just exploded. Uh, Almost right away, there were a lot of, you know, mob type people that appeared everywhere. There was a lot of like racketeering and extortion going on. So it was definitely chaos and scary times. 
Yeah, you, you were about to mention something about your father. Um, well, I mean, the good thing was that, you know, my, my dad was now free to do whatever he wanted and grow as much as he wanted. And I really very much admire the fact that um, he started his own company and really pulled the whole family through. So thanks to him, you know, my family was, was okay. Yeah, no, no, that, that's interesting because I think it, it you know, it, it's in somewhere like Bulgaria that that's where some of the differences in the experience are versus um, East Germany. Obviously, East Germany, a lot of people lost their jobs, but there wasn't this threat of inflation and um, you know the the loss of savings or or anything anything like that. Yeah, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not very much, you know, familiar with their histories and exactly what happened economically there. I do know that, uh, like, Poland and, yeah, East Germany, they were, and Hungary, they were doing definitely better economically than, than we were. I think they're also, their economies were not as dependent on Russia as Bulgaria had been. And, you know, the, the fact is that Bulgaria's economy was already horrible, like in the 80s. Uh, it was not just because of the fall of communism. Basically, you know, the communists had kind of run the country down into the ground. Um, but Russia was more or less kind of propping us up. And they also were doing a lot of illegal things, you know, like trading with arms with uh, the Middle East and drugs and things like that to kind of keep things going uh, during communism. And then later on, that became organized crime. So, you know, we talked about, you know, the, what changes your family experience. What, what changes did you experience personally? Well, for me, it was also basically freedom. <laughs> um, we had like, we didn't have to wear uniforms anymore. Um, and it was a bit of, you know, a free-for-all. We could do whatever we wanted to. There was no drinking age, <laughs> so there was a lot of partying going on. Um, but, yeah, you know, it was um, it was a good time in a lot of ways because of that and also because our education was still very good. Uh, I mean, I did go to, you know, the best school in my city. Um, so I was surrounded by pretty intelligent and, you know, kind of high-performing people. Uh, and we were all, you know, nerds, but at the same time uh, also got together and partied and went to the mountains together and just had a lot of good times. Yeah, um, no, and and your film shows uh, some of those good times and some – and some of those parties, but it, it also shows your 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 teacher, who I, I thought was a really interesting character because she's sort of a constant there throughout the film, and you even go back and visit her um, later on, or there's get-togethers with her. Yes. So in Bulgaria, the system uh, of the you know the high school education and throughout you know primary school and high school. Graduating classes divided into smaller groups uh, or smaller classes, as we call them. Um, it depends on how big the school is, but anywhere between like 20 to 30 people usually. Um, and basically with this group of people, you take all of your classes together. You have the exact same schedule and you go through all of the years together. 
um, and there is a teacher who is assigned to each group who is like the homeroom teacher. And sometimes they do, you know, she was a Russian actually teacher. She, um, and then we are not after a certain time because, you know, studying Russian was mandatory most of the time when I was in school, but then I believe until ninth grade uh, at that point, you know, they started changing the education system and it was not anymore uh, mandatory to study Russian. So she, there were a couple of years when she didn't even like um, teach any classes um, to us, but she was always there kind of responsible for us and taking care of us. And, she was not very much older than us. She was maybe 10 years older, I would say. Like, we were her first class as a homeroom teacher. So there was definitely a very strong bond. Um, and again, because of the times that we did go together on these hikes and treks in the mountains, and she would also, always, like, kind of joke that it was us who took her rather than taking us <laughs> to those <laughs> to those outings and uh, yeah you can imagine these experiences really create a strong bond yeah and you and you see that throughout the film the strong bond um between between all of you what what year does the film start in um so the first scenes are actually in 1995 which is when we graduated uh, but then we do go back to 1989 when communism fell and so there are some scenes that you know explain um the whole history of the fall of communism and then we kind of move forward in time yeah i I must admit i did find those scenes really useful because it is quite difficult to, (laughs) to follow the bulgarian uh politics sort of post 89 through to um the later later on in the in the 90s um there's quite a few characters there and certainly a lot of changes of government yes yes but i think i think it's lovely the way that you know there, there are certain characters that you perhaps follow more closely in the film and how all of you had aspirations to use your freedom in in certain ways and there's various different paths that people follow where in some ways their dreams are fulfilled but in others the, the expectation doesn't match up to to what they hoped for one of the characters i found interesting was um i think his name is Filchev mm-hmm. um and so he ended up in northern norway it seemed to really suit him. It seemed like a very calm and serene life that he'd he'd carved out there. Yes, yes. And I think because um, the society there is, you know, quite prosperous, um, he did very well for himself even very early on in his 20s. Um, so, yeah, I, I believe it was something that he really enjoyed Um when he was building his life there. Yeah, he seemed very idyllic. And he, he also mentioned that I think that, you know, that the, the way of life in Scandinavia in terms of social care sort of w- was almost similar to the way things were in the communist times, but obviously with freedom and not with dictatorship. Yeah, and with prosperity. And yeah, yeah it was one of the things that he says in the movies that, 
basically the Scandinavian countries have built communism without talking much about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and then, you know, you, you've got a contrast there with uh, Luki. I think his name is. He yes. stayed in Lucky. Sofia. Lucky. Yeah. That's a rather ironic name, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> well, um, I think he is a happy-go-lucky type of guy. So right, uh, yeah, he certainly comes across it in that party scene. He's mm-hmm. he's, um, but he he stays in Sofia, and he does talk about you know he's having to juggle two jobs and the stress of trying to balance all of that. And I think he'd he'd applied for a green card as well in the US, but had not not been successful. Yes, yes, that's that's right. He did not he did not get the green card. Um and I mean hopefully this is not a spoiler, but he's doing pretty well now. <laughs> in those okay. days, you know, he was that was in the first um the first set of interviews that I had done, so we were still like in our twenties. Um and yeah, I believe it was a bit of a struggle for him because, you know, he wanted, he was starting a family and he had bought an apartment. So, you know, he definitely needed to, to have a certain level, you know, he had some financial responsibilities, uh, but he, he has a, yeah, he has a pretty good job and a career. And, you know, I think he was doing quite well even afterwards in the second set of interviews. So Right. Um, well, they're, 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 yeah. you know, as I said, there's a, there's a rich list of of characters in the film, and you know what what we haven't talked about is is you, Victoria, and mm-hmm. you know your aspirations and and where you wanted to go, which I found I found quite interesting because you 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 wanted to pursue a hippie lifestyle. <laughs> yes. Um... Well, I'm not sure that I totally understood the meaning of that word. And a lot of my American friends um, pretty much laugh when I say that because it it has some derogatory (laughs) connotations, uh, at least here in America. Um, But for me, that meant mostly just adventure and freedom. And I loved travel. So um, that was part of the reason or probably the biggest reason why I left. You know, I was actually the first of my friends to to leave Bulgaria right after high school and I came to college in the United States. Um and yeah, it was um it was mostly to travel and see the world and have different experiences. And of course the education, like the college education in the United States was much better at that time and and it was recognized um, all over the world. While in Bulgaria, um, I believe our education or the university education would not have been recognized um, in other countries. Um, so that was part of my reasoning. Um, and yeah, and that, I really had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> and that must have been quite a, a shock or a, a culture shock moving from Bulgaria to the United States. Yes, absolutely. Especially where I ended up is was this small college in Pennsylvania. Um, and it was not in a city. It was outside of – it was, you know, technically by population, perhaps the town was – not too much smaller than 
the city that I had grown up in. But it was very different, as you can imagine. You know, cities in Europe are still smaller cities are still cities. Um, you can get around pretty easily. There's a lot of culture and various things you could do. While in the United States, it's very much a car culture, especially where I ended up, um, oh, you know, like in the middle of nowhere. And this college was literally surrounded by cornfields. <laughs> so the closest, for instance, the closest restaurant, or it was more of a diner, it wasn't even a restaurant that you could go to, was uh, something that you had to walk to for about 40 minutes to get there. Um, so I think at first I really didn't realize it, but it was a huge, huge shock. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can you remember how you felt when you got on that plane to go to the U S? Um, well, I was excited. Um, it was also my first time I was on an airplane. So everything was just kind of very new, very different. And it was mostly just trying to figure things out as I was going. Um, and, you know, I landed in New York. I had to change planes in New York. Um, getting around that huge airport, <laughs> it was all, it was all like a big adventure, definitely. So, yeah. And what was your English like then? Did you have a good, a, d- a decent level of English then? Yeah. So I actually, yes, my English was uh, pretty much great like perfect <laughs> because i had studied um also in an english language school besides my the high school that i attended full time i actually graduated from a second high school which was an english language school and i was just taking uh kind of correspondence exams there um and i took the sat uh test when I was in Bulgaria, which is how I got into a college in the United States and, and had a scholarship to go there. So, uh, so yeah, my right. English was good. And what, what were you studying in that, in that college? Um, I studied communication. A question that, that I did have was, what, why did you decide to make the film? Yeah, well, it was an idea that I got like before our 10-year high school reunion. Um, And, you know, I had been away from Bulgaria for, you know, many years already at that point. Um, And I really had not followed too much what had happened with the country. I mean, I had been going back every year, but I hadn't followed necessarily the political developments. And I thought it was very interesting that our um, anniversaries of our graduation, uh, like the 10-year high school reunion, basically coincided with the 15 years uh, within a few months of the fall of communism. Um, And I wanted to see, you know, what had happened with my friends and how, how how had it all affected us and where we were in life. And so I, I had that idea like maybe a year or two before, uh, before the reunion. And then I went to the reunion and I started shooting the interviews and some footage. Um, and it really wasn't meant to be such a huge project as it turned out to be eventually. Um, but that's kind of how it started. Yeah. That's like this podcast. It wasn't meant to be a huge project. <laughs> <laughs> taken on a, a, a life of its own um 
the one of the things that I did I did find particularly powerful was that I think it's the graduation party, um, which is looks like it's been filmed on on video, mm-hmm. um, and you get those portraits of the individuals that you then tell the story of in the film. Yes. And I found that that worked um, really well because you saw them sort of like with great expectation and feeling the world was at their feet. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in the course of the film, you, you explore their story. And I thought that 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 worked really well. Yes, we def- I was very happy that that footage existed. Um, I often get asked if that is something that I shot myself, and it's not. Uh, it was uh, something that this footage was shot actually by a friend of our uh, teacher, of our homeroom teacher. And it was something that other people did as well, other students and teachers. It was something that was done around graduation and prom uh, to kind of have these videos, but most of them were basically centered on the party itself or on the prom night. While uh, this person who was the camera operator, who was a friend of our teacher, she had hired him to come and, you know, shoot. And he had actually come to a few classes and there were some other parties like in her uh, apartment. It's also a tradition in Bulgaria for the teacher to invite the students uh, before their graduation. Uh, so there was a party in her apartment that he shot and then a few classes that he had come to. So I had this, all of this footage that was about a three and a half hour, uh, VHS tape that I had, uh, which was really like a treasure to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it, it, it is, you know, it does show the, the sort of the, the start point there and it, and it, and it works really well. And, I'd absolutely recommend people to see this film. Um, you know, whether you're you're interested in Bulgaria, communism, or the Cold War, I think it's a it's a lovely illustration of you know young people and their their dreams and just the, just their life stories. It's a it's, it's a lovely film, and I I did really enjoy it. Thank you. I'm glad you did enjoy it. Now I've enticed people into uh, watching the film. Where where can they see it, Victoria? Um, it's available on my website, which is uh, victorypictures.com. Uh, however, the victory is spelled a bit different. So it's V-I-K-T-O-R-I pictures.com. And perhaps, I don't know if you have the ability to maybe post a link so people could find it a bit easier. I will absolutely. the The link will be in the uh, the show notes and the uh, episode notes as well. So don't worry about trying to remember the spelling there. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, so it's the film is available there. You could stream it by donation. You could also download it, and you could get a DVD, which it it has a lot of extras. The DVD, so I recommend that as well <laughs> for those of you who still have DVD players. He hasn't got the three-hour VHS. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it does not have. It does not have that that full tape on it. Uh, however, it does have some characters that actually, unfortunately, I had to cut from the movie because um, there's already 
quite a few characters and there were some of my friends that unfortunately I could not include, but we had made, you know, we had done interviews with them. Um, so there are scenes of a couple of people, um, who did not make it into a movie, uh, into the movie. And, um, there's also a surprise, uh, on it, which is, um, well, I will give it away, but it's it's the following reunion. So there's a bit of a, a little scene from uh, our last reunion, actually. Um, right. And when was that? Uh, that was in, let's see, 2015. <laughs> so it's coming up to 25 years this year. Yeah. And are you going to have another get-together? Yes, they're planning a big get-together. Right. So there's going to be a sequel? <laughs> no, I think everybody's done with with this project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, and I know you. You know, you work. You're working on other projects. I was only um, being cheeky there. Um, so, Vi- Victoria, one, you know, a cu- couple of other. Well, one question that I did want to ask you is, you know, thinking back to the communist times, is there anything you miss about that? or not? Well, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people who have had a good childhood, which hopefully is most of us, um, do feel nostalgic about their childhood. And I certainly, uh, you know, feel that I miss that in certain ways. Um, However, I wouldn't necessarily connect it to communism. Um, Perhaps the fact that we were a bit more simple in the way that we lived, um, that we felt a bit more safe on the streets. Uh, Like I said, you know, as kids, we used to just play on the street. And I think children now in Bulgaria really don't have that experience unless they live in some sort of, there are those like closed uh, gated communities where um, I have a friend who, one of the reasons she moved into it is she said, well, I can let my son play on the street like we used to. And those are, those are the kind of things that um, have changed. And yeah. And perhaps, you know, yeah. Being outdoors a little more, a little less TV, (laughs) less social media, less um, video games. I think those were good things. If you like what you're hearing, sign up to our email list at coldwarconversations.com. And we have further photos, videos and information on this episode in our show notes, which will show as a link in your podcast app. Don't forget, if you'd like to get one of those Cold War Conversations coasters, help keep us on the air, then head over to coldwarconversations.com slash donate. And if you can't wait for the next episode, do visit our Facebook discussion group where listeners just like you continue the Cold War Conversation. Just search for Cold War Conversations in Facebook. Thank you very much for listening. It is really appreciated. Goodbye.
not enjoying the ads? Well, you can avoid them by going to coldwarconversations.com slash donate. By becoming a monthly or annual supporter, you'll enjoy ad-free listening, become a part of our community, receive the sought-after Cold War Conversations drinks coaster, and bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate for more information.